there. Happy April 27th, 2020. It's a military Monday here on the EP podcast. I'm Austin Horton. Thanks for joining me each and every day here on the podcast. Catch us online, 1280thezone.com slash EP-podcast. Catch us on the app, Zone Sports Network app. In the on-demand audio section, just look for the EP podcast uh, tab there. You can get us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google. Uh, you can get us on iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio. Anywhere you get your podcasts, you should be able to find the EP podcast. Give us a like, give us a rate, give us a follow. Send us your feedback. I'd love to hear from you. At Austin Horton on Twitter, or my email is austin.horton at 1280thezone.com. Would love to hear your feedback. And especially if you or if you know someone who would be a good candidate to be interviewed to be part of Military Mondays, I would love to hear from you. At Austin Horton on Twitter, austin.horton at 1280thezone.com for my email there. It, you don't have to be anything special. You don't have to feel, or rather, you are special. You don't have to feel like you're anything special. You don't have to be a, the general of the army or whatever. You need to just have a tie to the military in some way, shape, or form. Would love to have you part of Military Mondays here on the Zone's uh, EP podcast. All right, with that said, with it being a Military Monday, you got a lot to get to before we get to my guest today, Paul Leffler. Paul is the play-by-play announcer for Fresno State Athletics. But more importantly, in my opinion, he is the host of my absolute favorite podcast in the world, Hometown Heroes Radio, uh, where he interviews mostly World War II veterans and gets their life stories and the stories of their time in the military. Uh, uh, to be frank and honest with you, a dying breed among us, the World War II veterans and their families. Is the, you know That's just what age and years do to each and every one of us. And so love Paul's podcast and his show, Hometown Heroes Radio. Excited to pick his brain today on a Military Monday and get some of those stories and memories that he has uh, gleaned from those of the so-called uh, greatest generation. Love to hear from him. That being said, got to get some sports in before we get to Paul. And there is a lot of sports to talk about. The Last Dance 3 and 4, the episodes 3 and 4 aired on Sunday night. Have a reaction to those. Of course, I got your local NFL draft ties and reactions. Shared uh, the thoughts of, of Jordan Love going in the first round back on Friday's podcast. So you can check that out. I'll, I'll just uh, go over the other Utes, Aggies, and Cougars, and Wildcats that found their way to the NFL over the weekend. And also, some good news on the horizon from the NBA as uh, practice facilities are aiming to open up by the end of this week. Not too much information on that, but still some good news. So that and more. Let's dive right in. In fact, let's start real quick with that news about the NBA's plans to try and open up uh, NBA practice facilities. Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, of course, uh, issued a a report that the NBA is opening or aiming to open some team facilities Uh, May 1st, which will be this coming Friday, in areas where there have been loosened stay-at-home restrictions amid the coronavirus pandemic. Now, I don't know what that exactly entails or means for our local team, the Utah Jazz. No idea. No, I don't know if they, uh, I don't know what they're thinking on that front, if they're inclined to do so, because here's here's the caveat, is these will be individual workouts still in practice facilities. That alone, there's so many working parts and logistics and uh, quote-unquote manpower that has to go into even just one individual workout at a practice facility. This isn't a player run it, rolling into some uh, automated room to work out and then roll home where the, when he leaves the automatic room cleans itself. 
there's all kinds of uh, logistics here. Uh, and so I don't know what it means for each of the 30 NBA teams, but I do know that it's progress, and I do know that that is great news. Uh, that, that doesn't mean that there is absolutely a, a mandated every team will open their facilities and every player will be required to be there. No, I don't expect that. But I think that this is good news and, and progress. Sam Amick of The Athletic, he joins the big show every Thursday for your NBA Daily Assist. He has reported several times now that there are, there are sources of his in the NBA, some on the board of governors for the NBA that includes owners, GMs, uh, ambassadors, all kinds of people on that board of governors. His sources indicate that they're optimistic about the NBA's plans to, uh, well, not plans, but hopes to resume and finish the 2019-20 NBA season. But don't know what that exactly would look like. Don't know where it would be played, how it would be played. Don't have those logistics. But at least they're optimistic and remaining optimistic and positive about that. Now, Howard Beck said, and you can check these interviews out at 1280thezone.com in their entirety, but Howard Beck responded to Sam's uh, sources and their optimism on Friday, and I just want to play a clip here from him, from Howard, because he makes some good points about the optimism and uh, how much to buy into it or believe it. Howard Beck from Bleacher Report. What are you hearing in the people that you talk to around the NBA about an optimism level? I mean, as recently as a few days ago, I had an executive with the team say he thinks we'll be up and running by July 1st. And I texted back, I'm highly, highly skeptical. And he said, yeah, I get it. While July 1st is still a ways off, it's within, obviously, the realm of possibility that everything breaks right, the NBA comes back, and the optimists prove to be correct. But I think sometimes if you press them a little, like, okay, but how? How, how are we getting there? When are public health officials and elected officials going to be ready to say it's okay and under what parameters? It's so much more complicated than just optimism. The truth of the matter remains nobody knows until it happens. Like, we don't know uh, the likelihood of this uh, season resuming and finishing until it resumes or finishes. Uh, to Howard's point, there's opti- or to Sam's point, there's optimism. To Howard's point, What's what's driving that optimism? Is it, as he called it, wishful thinking? Or is it actual factual optimism because they see a plan in place that they think is going to ta- is going to happen? We won't know until it does happen. I, You know, the number one thing I am learning through this whole pandemic, or at least I'm trying to learn, I'm still failing in a lot of different ways, but uh, I'm in nature, by nature, more over a pessimistic type personality. Uh, I plan for the worst while trying to hope for the best, what I've learned through this pandemic is, man, life is way too short to be focused all the time wholly on the pessimistic side, on the negative. I, I'm, not, I'm not quite to the point where I'm just skipping through meadows uh, laughing at the clouds and ignoring the problems, but I am trying to adapt a more positive uh, outlook and, and inside of my personality than I had before. I, like I said, I am failing still in a lot of different areas, but there's so much bad with this pandemic and the day-to-day that we have to deal with now. You've got to find a way to focus on the positive or you're going to drive yourself insane and everyone around you is going to be miserable, more miserable because, uh, because of you. And that's, I'm talking to me and hoping that someone else might glean from that as well. But yeah, I'm trying to learn that uh, even though there is negative, Take the negative, make note of it, but then focus on the positive as much as possible. As possible. All right, so there you go. NBA practice facilities, hoping it up, hoping hoping to open up May first.
The NFL draft took place over the weekend. Uh, the local products that went, you had Jordan Love being the only local product to go in the first round on Thursday. He went to the Green Bay Packers. And what turned out to possibly be, not possibly in my opinion, was the most interesting and fascinating pick of the entire draft, especially of the uh, first round. Uh, other players, Jalen Johnson went in the second round, 50th overall pick from the Utes to the Chicago Bears. Julian Blackman from the Utes went in the third round, 85th overall to the Indianapolis Colts. Highest draft pick ever for my uh, late and high Lancers, by the way. Congrats to Julian, a good kid, a great family. Excited for him and them. Zach Moss went third overall, the very next pick in the draft, the 86th selection to the Buffalo Bills. I think Zach is going to make the Buffalo Bills a lot better in the next two seasons. Terrell Burgess, third overall, 104th pick to the LA Rams. And of course, it made the rounds on social media, his emotional reaction to being picked. And that was just a, a fun, special moment to see. Lucky Fotu, fourth round, 114th overall pick to the Arizona Cardinals. Bradley and I slipped all the way to the fifth round, 179th overall pick to the Dallas Cowboys. And John Penasini went in the sixth round, 197th overall pick to the Detroit Lions. That's it for the Utes. As for BYU, no names were called uh, in the NFL draft for BYU, I think for the first time since 2015. Uh, But three of their players did ink NFL free agent deals, including uh, running back Tyson Williams, who signed on with the Baltimore Ravens as a free agent, wide receiver Aleva Hifo, Signed with the Super Bowl champ, Kansas City Chiefs. And defensive back out of Northridge High, Diane Gonwoloku, received a deal from the LA Rams. So Tyson Williams, Aleva Hifo, and Diane Gonwoloku for BYU going to the NFL. Surprised that Austin Lee did not get a selection uh, or, or a draft uh, free agent deal, I should say. I would suspect he'll la- find himself on a practice squad and have a chance to work work his way up from there. And then, of course, Weber State's Jonah Williams found his way to an NFL squad as the L.A. Rams continuing to do a lot of local work here with our local schools. He uh, Jonah Williams signed a free agent contract with the Los Angeles Rams. As for the Utah State Aggies, Dominic Eberle, kicker, signed with the Las Vegas Raiders. Yossi Mariner, wide receiver, is also with the Raiders. Tipa Nalii didn't, fi- didn't have his name called in the draft, but picked up an unrestricted free agent uh, uh, signature with the Green Bay Packers, and I think that he's got a real chance to work his way through the NFL ranks. And Caleb Rep uh, went to the Atlanta Falcons. So there you go. A lot of local guys. Getting a lot of love. Oh, also from Utah, Darren Paolo, offensive line to the Saints. Tyler Huntley, quarterback to the Ravens. Josh Nurse, cornerback to the Ravens. Francis Bernard went to the Dallas Cowboys. And Javelin Guidry found himself on the New York Jets roster as a free agent. There you go, local guys through the NFL draft and free agency finding their ways to the pro ranks. Excited to see what happens to all each and every one of them, one of them going into the future. And by way of note, the Saints... Close to a deal with uh, Jameis Winston on a one-year contract. They also drafted what appears to be Taysom Hill 2.0 in the seventh round, but then inked Taysom Hill to a two-year extension Sunday morning. So good news there for Taysom Hill and his family. Uh, And uh, that he'll still be with the Saints, I think, is great news for him. I think he's got a good spot there with Sean Payton, even if he doesn't quote-unquote, be the backup quarterback all the time, he will find a way onto the field. As they've proven, no doubt, they they like him enough he's going to play for the New Orleans Saints. 
All right, some quick thoughts here before we get to Paul Leffler on uh, The Last Dance, Episodes 3 and 4. Episode 3, a lot of the uh, focus was on Dennis Rodman and his uh, complicated personality, his background, where he grew up, where he was raised, how he was raised. A uh, fascinating story came from the absolute uh, uh, most poverty situation. Now he's a multimillionaire and uh, uh, NBA champion. Uh but he's got his stuff, let's call it, and that's no secret to anybody. It was interesting to see when that stuff formed into place, where he finally let go of his moral compass and just went with the wind, uh, and that was when he was with the Detroit Pistons. Didn't do it in high school, didn't do it in college. When he got to the Pistons, didn't do it at first either. But then the Pistons formed into the bad boy Pistons, and he embraced that role and that went with him everywhere he went in the NBA to the San Antonio and to the Bulls and onward. So uh, that that was fast. I got a chance to briefly meet Dennis Rodman while I was serving my uh, mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in Huntington Beach, California. Uh, and uh, it's a it's a boring story. It's nothing special. It's, it's, it's not nothing special or spectacular. But uh, he was a he was a nice guy. He was interesting. Did not feel uh, um, did not feel like he was too interested in our message, but we had to try just so we had the story. Dennis Rodman, though, a fascinating character. And then in episode four, you get to see the Jazz beating the Bulls in February of nineteen of nineteen ninety eight, and that victory proved to be the uh, the deciding factor, but for home court advantage in the NBA Finals that year, uh, and it was incredible to see. The Jazz in action again. Just how good that Jazz team was. I, I think we take for granted. I know we take for granted how good Greg Ostertag was. Uh, Greg Ostertag definitely had his marks against him and probably did not get as much out of his talent as he could have, as he's he himself has admitted over the years. But that team as a whole was a great squad and really fun to watch. And it was still a little painful even to see them winning because we all know how this thing's going to end. Uh, but anyway, those are episodes three and four. They got a little bit better than episodes one and two, and they've got me hooked, although I did still do some skipping through on both episodes. On all four episodes, I've done some skipping through with the old 30 seconds forward click. Uh, and so they, they maybe if I were a absolute Michael Jordan fan or even a Chicago Bulls fan, I wouldn't be missing a second of any of these, but... I'm guilty of skipping through a little bit. But so far, it's good television and something we all need to pass our time with without any NBA to be had right now. Promised here with Paul Leffler, uh, broadcast journalist, uh, Fresno State play-by-play guy, and one of my absolute must-listen-to podcast hosts each and every week on Hometown Heroes. Paul, thanks for a few moments. Appreciate you spending uh, some time with us here on the EP Podcast. Oh, my pleasure, Austin. Great to be with you. Uh, I appreciate uh, everything you guys do there at Hometown Heroes. That's what we're going to talk a lot about with it being a military Monday here. But uh, I wanted to get your background first. Uh, how long have you been the Fresno State voice? How long have you been there with the Bulldogs? Well, that's a trick question, Austin. I, I started doing the baseball games kind of as a side gig from my, my main job in television. 
back in 2001. So this season that just got interrupted was my 20th season on baseball. Okay. Uh, and after they won the College World Series in 2008, Fresno State, the biggest underdog story of all time, um, they asked me to take over football and basketball. So I've been doing those two sports uh, for Fresno State since, I guess, 2009. Is baseball your first love, though? You can't ask a broadcaster <laughs> that, Austin. Come on, that's not fair. I can't pick. I will say, uh, I think, you know, as far as a listener engaging with a game and an announcer having a chance to to really paint a picture, there's nothing like the sport of baseball, I think. Uh, you really can tell a guy who's who's dedicated, who does his homework, and who has that gift for story, uh, storytelling if he can do a good radio call of a baseball game. I really enjoy that. For sure. Here, here locally in Salt Lake, we've got a guy named Steve Klauke. He's been the the radio voice of the Salt Lake minor league team. It's been the Buzz, the Bees, the Trappers, the Stingers. This would have been his 27th year. When it starts, it'll be his 27th year. And he can he can spin a yarn. He can he's like the Vince Scully uh, of of Salt Lake City. He can keep things going on there. And that's it's a gift with baseball, like you're talking about, to keep the story going because you got time in a baseball broadcast. Steve's a great guy. You know, and, Steve. Uh, um, I'm going to be making a few trips to the Beehive State uh, next school year, and I hope to run into them once or twice. Great. All right. So, and beyond that, you also do a little uh, TV journalism, don't you? Or, or you have? Yeah. You know, I spent uh, spent ten years doing local television here. In fact, that's where I started interviewing veterans. Was on TV. These days, the only time I do TV is if uh, you know, if I'm calling a ball game somewhere. Uh, or I, I do the National Spelling Bee every year on ABC and ESPN. If that happens this year, that's up in limbo right now, too. Yeah. So, um, But uh, most of my work now is on radio. Let's talk about Hometown Hero uh, Radio. So wh- how did it begin? You said you were a TV journalist at the time. Was this your idea or was this something presented to you? How did it start? <laughs> Yeah, you know, I I guess where it really started, Austin, was about the same time I started announcing, which was when I was 12 years old. But uh, playing hide-and-seek in my grandparents' house, I got my shirt caught on this frame that was facing the wall. So I turned it around to see what it said, what it was. It was a framed newspaper in Chicago, 1944, and it said in big red letters right across the front, Chicagoan saves 26. And it was actually about my grandfather pulling 26 guys out of burning tanks in France. They gave him the Silver Star for it. So I read that. I said, hey, how I, why have I never heard this story? Someday I've got to hear this story. It, it kind of stuck with me for years. And doing local television, I kind of got worn down by, you know, the everyday headlines. What do you see on the news every night? Shooting, stabbing, fire. I guess in Utah lately it's uh, earthquakes, right? Right, yeah. Um, <laughs> Hasn't shaken we're, yet today. Has we're it? rookies here on that. You you guys are old uh, vets there in so- Northern Cal, but we're rookies here. <laughs> oh, I'll never forget 1989 in the yeah. World Series, no doubt. Yeah. But uh, anyway, my my grandfather had this story. I thought I want to tell his story, and seeing the the downer stories on the news, I thought could we tell some inspirational stories, something that people haven't heard before, that maybe no one's told before. You've got all these World War II veterans; they're leaving us. They went through incredible things when they're 17, 18, maybe even younger than that. And how much better would we be off if we knew these stories? How much respect would it give us for veterans? How much value would it place on the freedom that we so easily take for granted? So I pitched that to my bosses in TV. And I've got to tell you, Austin, the first time I asked my news director, he looked down at me and he said, nobody wants to hear a bunch of old guys talk. What? And... (laughs) Oh, my word. I disagreed. But, you know, one of those things that 
in my mind, it was something God put on my heart and, and he kept bringing it back to me. So eventually I decided to take some of the time I had for local sports on TV and tell some veteran stories instead. I had a ton of time on this hour long newscast, so it worked. So I did a group of about four veterans, including my grandfather on television. And it was so fulfilling to see the look on a, a wife or a son or a daughter's face when you get done with the interview and they say, we've never heard that before. And this is something that a veteran's been keeping inside for at that point, 60 plus years. Jeez. Now we're talking 70 plus years. Um, so it was just really powerful and really, I guess, addicting for me. I haven't been able to quit since, and that was 15 years ago. Uh, well, I've had a similar experience as a listener of your podcast. Uh, I, I you know I looked you up as a sports producer to get you on to talk about Fresno State one time, and in trying to get your contact info, came across hometown's he- hometown heroes, and we were going on a road trip, and I needed stuff to listen to. And I'm always, I've always been into the, the military and patriotism and thought, you know, I'll, I'll listen to a couple of these. I think I listened to 20 episodes back to back to back to back to back. Just could not stop. And I've been a, a weekly listener ever since. And it's, I like what you said. God spoke to your heart about it because honestly, and I, I thank you for it. And I, I thank the veterans you've spoken to because I thought I was into this stuff. And then I found Hometown Heroes Radio and it has just, it's like engraved in my heart the, the appreciation I have, the ability that we can hear these stories from these uh, folks before, unfortunately, they pass away. Yeah, well, well, thank you, Austin. Thanks for those words and for your support. Um, it's such a privilege to just, first of all, just spend time with these people. And since, because I'm a sports announcer and I travel, that gives me the opportunity to meet a bunch of people I wouldn't meet otherwise. So when I'm wherever for a game, you know, if, if Fresno State's playing BYU or, you know, or Utah State, or Weber State or Utah Valley, maybe even the Utes. I'm up there, I'm finding some veterans in that area to talk to. And I'm just thinking about, you know, some great veterans there that I've spoken to over the years. The Candy Bomber comes to mind, Gail Halverson. He's a legend in the state of Utah. He's a beautiful you man. sit down with that man and you just you see the energy coming off of him. You see, you know, the spirit that really propels him. And every one of these veterans, no matter where I go, this is what gets me. I could be in a big city, a tiny little town. It doesn't matter. There's an incredible story there. And there's a veteran who at that age, you know, 17, 18, 19, some of them lied, got in at 15 or 16. (laughs) They were basically holding the world in their hands and they knew their life was at stake but yet they found the courage to move forward. And in almost every one of those cases, there's that one moment, you've heard it if you listen to the show, there's that one moment where it could have been them. Maybe it was a bullet that went in their helmet and went back out, or maybe it was you know, their ship, they got transferred off their ship the week before it sank. There's always that moment. And it's really interesting for me to hear how those veterans view that now with the lens of 70 plus years since it all happened uh you just had a, an interview at the end of march with uh, was it uh, al bloomer was that was that who it was yeah yeah uh, great guy he, he shared uh, the closest call he ever encountered he was on the big e the the big uh-huh. enterprise that 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 what an incredible story so you can ch- ca- catch that at hometownheroesradio.com if you want to listen to that now you also had uh, a, a young lady there in your area who got behind uh, and, and got involved with cataloging each and every one of these interviews. Was that at the, at the, the state library or the local library? What was the story there? Yeah, you know, I, I'm glad you brought that up. This is what energizes me. And I think we've seen it even more with the Honor Flight program as that's really taken off. How you know, engaging with these veterans has a chance 
to teach a new generation about where their freedom comes from and really change their perspective. So here's a young lady who wanted to get a a Girl Scout Gold Award, the highest award you can get in the Girl Scouts. And she reached out and she said, hey, is there something I can do with your show? And it just so happened, you know, I'm a big believer. God's plans are always better than ours and his timing is perfect. And about the same time I had heard from this uh, organization in California, it's a consortium of county um, education departments, and they've created this online digital library of resources for students throughout the state. And so what they said was, could we use these hometown hero shows as a historic archive so young people can hear in the veterans own words what they went through? And in order for it to work in their system, there had to be this cataloging to fit into their database, to go by keywords and search terms and the content that's contained in each episode. So this young lady has gone through hundreds of episodes and produced all that work. So other high school students for years to come can benefit by connecting with people who at that point will have left us. That's that's phenomenal to, to do it by keyword like that. That's a lot of work. Uh, that's that's I'm grateful that she did that, obviously. Now, do you ever, uh, you're, you're talking with real life heroes and who will never want you to call them that, ever, that, right. to a man and, and a woman. They, a veteran does not want to be labeled a hero, but they are to us. Do you ever get nervous interviewing these people? And Because uh, I, I look at them like, uh, you know, I interview baseball or basketball and, and football stars all the time, and I'm like, yeah, they're just a person. But when I vet, and interview a veteran, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like a real life hero. Do you get nervous, Paul? You know, I think initially I, I might have a little more uh, after doing it for 15 years and talking to so many. I, I think I'm desensitized to a lot of it. But I'll tell you, every once in a while, there's a veteran who really gets to me and I feel it. I'll never forget uh, being in Colorado Springs, Colorado and going to an area, you know, a, a nice neighborhood wasn't a fancy neighborhood. You would have never known that one of the last remaining survivors of the USS Arizona lived there. But then you get into his driveway and you see his classic pickup that's got a scene of the Arizona painted on the bed, beautiful. And you walk inside and just an unassuming guy, but you start talking to him and you realize the weight that this gentleman, Don Stratton, had carried his whole life. I mean, he should have died on December 7th. It was a miracle he survived. He was burned from head to toe, took over a year to recover and get a medical discharge. And then ticked his parents off by re-enlisting in the Navy and fighting the rest of World War II. He's got a great book out about it, All the Gallant Men. Don just passed away uh, here in the last couple months. Mm. But in talking to him and hearing him matter-of-factly describe climbing across this rope between the Arizona and the Vestal next door, and each time he grabs the rope, there's flesh coming off his hands because they're so burnt. And he talks about it like you and I talking about going to to grab a donut. Mm. You know, that's how unassuming these people are. And I I think back to that moment and, you know, I'm feeling the goosebumps. I'm saying, man, how much courage did this guy have to have? And how much of a gift is it for him just to be willing to go there and talk about a circumstance like that? And so many of them, it's been tough. It's been difficult for them to talk about it for so many years. And again, Uh, One thing I think about the Honor Flight program that's been very big in Utah, certainly big here in our area and all over the country, is it brings these veterans together. They have this shared experience of going to see the National World War II Memorial, which is kind of the point of it. But the byproduct is they interact with each other. And all of a sudden they realize there's somebody else who understands it. Maybe it is okay for me to talk about it now. 
and what a gift the rest of us receive when we're able to hear these stories. Uh, a couple questions I got still for you. Uh, I want to touch on the honor flight, though, because that's a big part of uh, your... I know you believe a lot in the honor flight, and there's an honor flight in pretty much every area of the country. Is it honorflight.org? Is that their uh, website? Honorflight.org is the national website, okay. so wherever you're listening, you can go there and find a hub near you. And, and what I love about Honor Flight, Austin, it's all volunteers. Nobody gets paid. It's all donations. And so it's people in the community coming together to tell these veterans, hey, not only do we want to thank you for what you did, we believe in it so much. We're going to donate our time and our talents and our treasures to make sure you have an experience you wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah. And it, it's life-changing for the veterans. It's life-changing for their guardians. Every veteran, at least in our hub, has a son or a daughter, sometimes even a stranger who goes with them. We'll push a wheelchair. We'll stay within arm's length. The perspective those people come back with. And here where I live, when we bring them back to the airport, I get goosebumps every single time. You've got a band playing, you've got a capacity crowd, red, white, and blue, the cheerleaders shaking their pom-poms, everybody cheering, and you could see the most hardened 98-year-old Marine who went through unbelievable things rolling through that crowd with a tear streaming down his cheek, and you know this really means something. And the other thing I love about it, Austin, how much in our world today actually brings people together instead of splitting them apart when you're at one of those honor flight homecomings, you see people from zero to 100 age-wise, every political persuasion, every religious belief, every ethnicity, doesn't matter. Here's one thing we agree on. These veterans risk their lives for us. This is the least that we can do for them. Well said. There's, there's no Republicans and Democrats. There's no Christians and atheists. There's just humans and Americans appreciating. And to be at 98, to get that in their final moments of life, to finally get their the true uh, recognition or or uh, that I'm sure it's cathartic for for most of them if not all of them to to go on that flight and see that I was I spent a summer in Bethesda and would go into DC all the time and just to go to the memorials and I remember the first time I went to the World War II memorial and how touched I was and that's when I found out that there are World War II vets that don't get to see that I, I, for some reason, never computed in my mind that, well, of course, there's those that this is their memorial. They otherwise don't get to see it, uh, except for things like the Honor Flight. Exactly. And that's really where Honor Flight was born. It was one man, a guy named Earl Morrison, Ohio, was a, a physician's assistant at a VA hospital. And when the memorial was first built in 2004, from money from World War II veterans themselves, by the way, it wasn't a federal project. It was wow. $190 million that World War II veterans, like my grandpa, who never got to see it, donated to it hmm. but earl asked one of his patients hey are you going to go see that new memorial the guy says no i'm too old i can't do it he says well you know what i'm a pilot i have a plane if i fly you there will you go and he said yes and that was the impetus for this nationwide program that now has just taken tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands now of veterans to their memorials and it's actually given a gift beyond the world war ii generation because people started doing it we've done this year Okay, what about the Korean War vets? They fought in this forgotten war. They risked their lives. They went through things just as ugly. And now the Vietnam vets ah, who got spit yeah. on when they come home. Yeah. So all those veterans now are now benefiting from that one idea one guy had. So it, it just tells you uh, when, when something's on your heart, act on it. You never know what it's going to turn into. Now, earlier in the as we wrap up, I asked you if baseball was your first love. I don't dare ask you. Pick out your favorite story 
to, to share with me from your podcast. That's impossible, literally impossible. But we are coming up on the uh, the seventy. We just passed the seventy eighth anniversary of the Doolittle raids and, and that and that uh, campaign and in, in that theater of the war, World War Two. What stands out in your mind? A couple stories or, or people or vets that stand out in your mind that you've talked to that were, went through that or witnessed that. You know, uh, quite a few, and even a few recently. You know, I, I had. Uh, the fortune recently, you mentioned Al Bloomer, you know, he was on the USS Enterprise, which escorted the Hornet for that mission. And he remembers sitting in his gun tub, which is on the edge of the ship, kind of underneath the deck, right on the edge of the deck, watching each one of those B-25s take off. And he tells you they're actually taking bets on the Enterprise, whether those B-25s would actually make it because right. it was unprecedented. No one had ever done it before. I think of a nurse I interviewed recently, Jane Boot, 100 years old. She was working at Walter Reed Medical Center at the time, and they brought two of the Doolittle Raiders who survived back to her hospital, and she cared for them, including Ted Lawson, who is the pilot of the ruptured duck, who wrote 30 Seconds Over Tokyo, which turned into a great film, of course. And just hearing what he went through, she has a great story of Jimmy Doolittle came to visit Ted Lawson in the hospital there. She didn't know who he was because he wasn't wearing his uh, decorations. And she tried to kick him off the officer's ward. Didn't know it was General Jimmy Doolittle himself. (laughs) Uh, So those are some stories recently. But one guy who was on that plane with Ted Lawson was a gentleman named David Thatcher. And I'll never forget going to call a basketball game in Missoula, Montana. And about a half mile away from the University of Montana in a, you know, an average home there in Missoula lives David Thatcher, one of the last living Doolittle Raiders. And sitting down in his living room and hearing him tell me about this mission, really a suicide mission for these guys. They had no hope of coming back. And just to hear him describe that and what he went through, what it meant to him, and then not knowing his complete family story, having him tell me, well, really the thing that gets to me more is the fact that I lost my son in Vietnam. You know, there are so many elements to these guys' stories. What they did didn't end in 1945. They had to carry that with them. They built so many of our communities. They gave us so many gifts, and they dealt with more heartache. I mean, think about that. A guy who goes through one of the most incredible situations in military history but has no power to save his son from losing his life in Vietnam. You know, these are things that affect families all over our country every single day. And we can go on without even thinking about them unless we take the time to to sit down, ask a few questions, and listen to things that that really raise our eyebrows and hopefully open our minds a little. Well, Paul, uh, thank you so much for for a few minutes here, but mostly thank you for shedding light and bringing these stories to life for us on Hometown uh, Hometown Heroes Radio. It's so important that we know and hear these stories. And as you mentioned, World War II vets are, are now very few and far between as they're getting up there in years. And you've done interviews with Vietnam War uh, vet- veterans and Korean War and Iraqi freedom and Afghanistan fighters. And and I think it's not just World War II is the greatest generation as, it's, as the moniker has been dubbed. But any soldier and soldier's family needs their story told. And thank you so much for doing that on Hometown Heroes. Well, it's been such a great privilege. I can't imagine my life without it, Austin. And, and thank you for, for your encouraging words of support. Well, keep it up because uh, I need it. I need it and the, the country needs it. Thanks, Paul. <laughs> right on. Thank you. My thanks once again to the great Paul Leffler for joining me on a Military Monday. Please do yourselves a favor. Check out his incredible show. It's an amazing 
uh, radio show, and it's all in podcast form as well at hometownheroesradio.com, hometownheroesradio.com, and see what you can do to get involved with our local honor flight. I think they run out of Penguich down there in uh, central Utah. Excuse me, central Utah. See what we can do there to get involved. But thanks to Paul for his efforts, and obviously uh, a hearty thank you, and we'll never forget to the greatest generation that served in World War II and all of our great veterans and their families, the country and worldwide. That is going to do it for a Monday edition of the EP Podcast. Again, check us out anywhere you get your podcasts, online, 1280thezone.com, slash EP-podcast, or on the Zone Sports Network app in the on-demand audio section. I'm Austin Horton. I'll see you on Tuesday. Until then, be good to each other. Now for the laugh of the day. <laughs> and now, some words about a show forthcoming on the CBC Television Network. There are campfire legends that the plainsmen spin of a man who was nothing like Paladin. Couldn't ride, couldn't shoot, but he won his fame Cause everything he said, said backwards Was the same Palindrome, palindrome, what's in a name? Palindrome, palindrome, backwards the same Palindrome. No one knew where he came from, and nobody cared. He rode into town one day from out of the west, armed not with six guns, a long rifle, a whip, a knife, a chainsaw, or some other exotic weapon. No, his only means of self-defense was his snappy little straw hat, and his uncanny ability to speak only in sentences which, when spelled backwards, are exactly the same as when they were spelled forwards. Here's a scene from a forthcoming episode of Palindrome. stranger. Ma'am. Well, what's your name, partner? Madam, I'm Adam. Oh, well, how'd you get into town? I didn't see a horse. A Toyota. Sounds like you have a little sinus problem. Tons of snot. Hey, Doc, how about a little drink for my new friend here? Well, they sure could use it. Look at that. His mouth's hanging wide open. In it, Ram a martini. Sorry, stranger. No hard liquor here. Would you like some wine or some kind of beer? Lager, sir, is regal. Well, that's fine. Say, you must be hungry. Uh Uh-oh. You're not trying to lose weight on one of them fasts, are you? Doc, note, I dissent. A fast never prevents a fatness. I diet on cod. Uh, Sorry to tell you we're out of cod. Look, you got two choices. Italian or deli. What'll it be? Go hang a salami. I'm a lasagna hog. Well, fine then. Now for dessert, we could hail the young fresh fruit vendor over there. Yo! Banana boy! I suppose you're just on your way out to the big new O.J. Simpson theme park. DNA land? Stranger, you got a snappy answer for everything. Don't you ever ask yourself the spiritual questions in life? Do geese see God? Well, I never thought of that one. Who's that waving at you over there? Bob! No, next to him. Pop! The woman! Lil! The other one! Hannah! The other one! Ava! The other one! Eve! 
and ladies leaving. So, Ida, adios. Granger, I'm getting tired of this. Huh? Reach for the sky. Draw, oh coward. All right. <laughs> What's the trouble there, stranger? Snug guns. <laughs> I guess I got to drop on you then. A man, a plan, a canal, Panama. <laughs> oh, got me with that snappy little straw hat. Aha. Uh-huh. Oh, palindrome, my hero. Would you join me in my room for lunch? Sex at noon, Texas. Yes, Palindrome, starring Bob Autobob as Palindrome and Meg Jem as Sis. Check your local station for time and temperature. Remember Palindrome. He gets them coming and going.